0: Flames Nation, welcome back. We made it through the bye week and we are here live. I am joined with the GOAT, John Manson, all things the Sea of Red, all things Liberty Sports for our first Sunday night episode of the Sea of Red football podcast. And before we jump into a lot of great stuff we have planned for you this evening, John Manson, how are we feeling? How was the bye week?
1: Bi-week was good, but I got to ask you, Richie, how was a bi-week? Saw some uh, pictures on social media. Looked like you were down in Orlando enjoying some time in the sun uh, at Disney World.
0: Absolutely. The wife uh, and I, Mrs. Longshots and I, we took a little two-day trip down to Disney, a day at Magic Kingdom, a day at Hollywood Studios, enough to satisfy that Disney itch. We got a bigger trip uh, planned for January, but perfect time to do it. Bi-week. Uh, not a massive college football sleigh. There were some good games going on, but overall, a, a great time to get away. We're going to have a lot of Saturdays in the fall. Uh, in October opened up because of the midweek games coming up. We're going to be jumping into all of that tonight. But we, we, we had a game a week ago from yesterday, uh, faced off up against FIU. John, you were down in attendance. Uh, I was actually in Atlantic City for the game uh, watching from a water park. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it all over uh, to you, John. Give us that breakdown. Give us that review. Refresh our memories with the last time we got to see our Liberty Flames in action.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a game that I was a little nervous about going into. FIU had won three straight games and and I uh, was playing with a lot of confidence. Had a, you know, they have a true freshman quarterback, started three straight games and, and uh, they've really turned it on since uh, he took over and Liberty went down there and it was homecoming for FIU and they had, you know, the party going on out in the uh, in the parking lot with uh, all the tailgates and stuff and looked like they were having a good time, but I mean Liberty jumped right You know, from the get go, got the opening kickoff, went down, scored a touchdown. Caden Salter had a beautiful pass. Coach Chadwell called it his best pass of the season so far when he kind of dropped it into to to Bentley Hanshaw there for the nine or ten yard touchdown score to take the lead. Defense forced a three and out, go back down. Trayon Sibley had that long touchdown catch and run for I think it was sixty eight yards. It's fourteen nothing before the alums are even in the in the seats and in the stadium. And uh, you know, Liberty kind of kind of cruised from there and. And, and got a big win on the road, 2-0 in conference play, 4-0 uh, overall going into the bye week. So uh, it was a good win. Got down there, got the win, got out of town, and came back to Lynchburg and now preparing for midweek on the mountain.
0: Absolutely. Midweek on the mountain. Super excited for that. Uh ton of great guests we have in store this evening. Uh, we have offensive coordinator Willie Korn. We have Kyle Diarman and a special guest picker. So definitely be on the lookout. Uh, for that this evening, but John, talk about some of the other Conference USA action. Uh, we were not the uh, we're not the only team uh, with a buy this week, but there were some uh, Conference USA matchups going on, which I was surprised that not every Conference USA team had a buy in the lead up to October and a lot of the the, the weekday games. But uh, as you can see on the screen, we have a little bit of a breakdown, and that that Liberty number is a little bit higher than a lot of our Conference USA counterparts uh western kentucky bouncing back after that loss to uh ohio state but look at us john where else where else would we be
1: no, I mean, you know, Liberty is looking really good and and has shot up these rankings. Uh, I saw a tweet uh, earlier today that said uh, Liberty has is one of the top five teams in the entire country of exceeding expectations going into based on point spread going into. And, you know, we talk about, you know, 4-0, but not only 4-0 overall, 4-0 against the spread in covering those games. And and we'll get into it a little bit later. Liberty Open as a 17-point favorite against Sam Houston. But, yeah, there was, uh you know, I guess three different games for Conference US say uh, and they kind of started midweek a little bit you know two games on Thursday night and then and then one Friday night um, so you know uh, Western Kentucky I had my eyes on that game Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee Western Kentucky kind of got the early lead and held on uh, Sam Houston Jacksonville State was another game that I was paying a lot of attention to obviously those are the next two opponents for the flame Sam Houston led the entire way Uh, They really should have won the game. If you watch much of that game, they were up by eight with scored a touchdown to go up by eight with about a minute and a half left. Jacksonville State went down, scored a touchdown, and uh, went for two and tied it up, and and then won it in overtime. And Jacksonville State is really, you know, I think it's Liberty, as you see here in these, uh, you know, FPI college football power rankings. uh, I think Liberty, uh, Western Kentucky, and Jacksonville State have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack so far. Uh, it's still early, and we'll see how that how that plays out. But uh, Sam Houston's going to be an intriguing game this week, I think. I mean, their first three games, they played BYU Air Force in Houston. I'm not sure we, we learned a ton about them then. Uh, and then they, they had their first game against the Conference USA like – uh, team obviously against Jacksonville State this past week and and like I said really should have won that game so uh, some more intriguing matchups coming up this week but um, uh, also Bowling Green it's not in Conference USA but Bowling Green got a nice win uh, they upset mm-hmm. Georgia Tech and really dominated that game won by uh, I think it was 10 points or something but he was, it, the margin was further than that uh, really but uh, so that, that helped Liberty st- strength the schedule a little bit
0: yeah big time boost to our uh, overall strength of schedule, and obviously we're not going to sit here and pretend like our schedule is a, a world beater. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of factors that came into play, moving into Conference USA, having to move games, but you play the teams that are on your schedule. Um, shout out, Turtle just posted a uh, great graphic on there that uh, I think it was, I forget, the the Massey uh, rankings, fifth, and there it is. Uh, thank you, Producer 3000, fifth in the group of five. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you think we compare uh, to some of the other Group of Five teams so far? Because that has been the big debate, uh, which has been exciting to see. It's good to be in that conversation. It's good to be a part of that discussion. But you know, you just mentioned Air Force. Air Force is rolling this year. JMU looks good. Tulane. Uh, Marshall has been in the conversation. I feel like there's been more G five teams popping up recently. So, uh, any thoughts on that? How do you think we compared to some of the other G5 schools across the
1: country. Yeah, it's really hard to to, to know. I mean, you got to compare scores of common opponents and things. But Mountain West is having a really good year at the top. I mean, Fresno, Fresno State. State. Yep. Wyoming's had a good year. They've got some nice wins, uh, both of them, over some P5 schools, uh, so they're looking good. Um, Boise's down a little bit. I think they're 2-3 and three right now and, and had a rough loss at at Memphis, which I was an entertaining game Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing, having these Saturdays off. You're going to watch a lot more college football than you typically do, uh, so that was one of the games I had on, and the YouTube TV uh, multi-flex I guess is what they call it. That came in clutch, too. You can watch four games at once, but but, yeah, I think Liberty is right in the mix, right? I mean, uh, Tulane's up there, uh, some of those Mountain West teams, like I mentioned, a couple of Sunbelt teams. Georgia State just got their first loss of the season. I think they were they were 4-0 uh, and, and had a win over Coastal. Coastal had another loss. So Liberty's certainly in the mix. I mean, uh, and, 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 again, you know, the highest-ranked uh, group of five conference champion that doesn't make the college football playoff, which I don't think anybody's going to this year, you know, with only the four teams making it. Get an automatic bid to a New York Six bowl game. So if Liberty can, you know, Liberty would have to go undefeated to be in that conversation and have to be 13 and 0, you know, go 12 and 0 in the regular season, win the Conference USA Championship game, be 13 and 0. But if Liberty's 13 and 0, they're going to be in that mix with a small, you know, handful of teams, Uh, you know, Memphis, uh, Fresno State, Wyoming. We'll see how some of the other teams, I'm sure there'll be a Sunbelt team. If if a Sunbelt team, it'll be interesting. I think the biggest question mark will be. If there's a, a one loss, uh, you know Fresno team for example, would they get the nod over an undefeated Liberty? Uh, but but it's fun to be in those conversations. If we were an independent, we would have zero chance at a New Year's Six bowl game. I don't care if we had the same schedules we had last year; it it's not going to happen this year. We at least have the path, and uh, next year with the playoffs expanding to twelve, uh, we got a much clearer path to to the playoffs as well.
0: But I think. Uh, last thing before we jump into the rest of our show, I think this year really sets the tone that if we can go in and you know really run the table, win the Conference USA, and we go into next year ranked, when you're already ranked, it's so much easier for the rest of that season rather than fighting that uphill battle. So I think this season really kind of sets that tone, sets the stage for next year to prepare us for a potential run. At the playoffs,
1: so sure. We, sure. Bef- before we run into that, I just I want to piggyback on that. I think that's a great point you brought up, Richie, because uh, that's what Cincinnati did. I mean, Cincinnati is aren't they the only G five to get into the fourteen yep. playoff? They did that by having good seasons, stringing them together back to back to back. You know, so they entered the season the year they made it. I want to say at least top fifteen, maybe even top ten. And then, you know, they, they got a win, I think, over Notre Dame that year and and went undefeated and was able to get that third or fourth spot in the playoffs. So that's exactly what Liberty's got to do is is you use this year as a launching pad for next year. You got a lot of underclassmen this year coming back next year. And you can use this as a launching pad to next season to to hopefully get into that uh, that CFP uh, top 12 next year.
0: And that's what's super exciting. They, you know, you we got to look at things sometimes, and that long-term play, and seeing how, uh, yes, we're playing for the season. The season's super important, but what we're doing now, and the things that are taking place, all the work that are, the the coaches are putting in, are setting Liberty up for long-term success. And we were lucky enough to chat with one of those coaches uh, this past week, offensive coordinator Willie Corn. We got a chance, John, myself, uh, and him to just talk all things Liberty, talk about his transition. Here to Lynchburg, talk about the offense, talk about Caden Salter and all that stuff. So we're going to kick it over to him. But first, we are going to have uh, a quick little ad from a longtime supporter, Jason
2: Porter well hey everybody my name is jason porter i'm with legacy Realty and development and it's been a a great partnership here with sea of red lately Uh, i was with liberty athletics as the associate athletic director for sports medicine so took care of all of the uh, healthcare needs and coordinated that with a fantastic staff at liberty um, in the athletic department of course for about uh, five or six years and then uh, moved into real estate full-time and uh, with legacy realty and development and uh it's just been a great pleasure to continue to stay connected with my liberty university uh family and the athletics family as well Been enjoying serving them Uh, a lot of the um, graduate assistants and some of the staff that i hired has come back now and has uh, been using me for residential services which i really appreciate but certainly do residential real estate as far as buying and selling of homes of course and then also uh, we have a strong commercial presence as well, so commercial real estate, um, obviously a very, very different animal than is residential, but uh, whether it's buying and selling commercial uh, properties or uh, just the leasing of properties, we can help with that as well, so it's uh, been a great uh, opportunity to service our commercial clients as well, and then certainly on the investment front too, a number of um, folks who have discovered the power of passive income through real estate and investing in real estate with rental properties or fix and flips, those kind of things, and so great joy to um, to serve my clients in that capacity as well. The uh, other thing that I would add too is just a very, very full Rolodex at this point of contractors and subs and just different professional contacts that I've made through the years. So if I can ever provide any of those folks to you and all of a sudden you need a plumber or an electrician or a contractor to build your deck, whatever, I'd certainly be glad to give you access to that Rolodex and those references as well because a lot of times it's not exactly who you know, it's uh, who you know that knows how to do the job well. And so I would be glad to provide those services for you as well. So love Flames Nation, love taking care of um, my Liberty uh, family. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, my contact information is all right here on the screen. And I would love to be uh, a service to you and yours. Thanks so much.
0: What's going on, Flames Nation, and we are absolutely delighted to have the first member of this coaching staff join the Sea of Red Football podcast, and I am talking about the offensive coordinator, the man that is making this hum, and that is
3: offensive coordinator Willie Korn. Willie, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Richie. I'm doing good, John. I appreciate you guys having me on. and. Love the the picture that you guys chose there. I, I, I missed my mustache. That was the, that was our fall camp mustache tradition we had going on right there. So I, I feel like I need to need to bring that back. I'm, I'm I, can, all I, can, in I can disagree with that though.
0: Hey, you you can't argue with tradition. I'm a big playoff hockey beard guy, and I can tell you that if the coaching staff starts growing out any sort of facial hair, you will have a large contingency of fans <laughs> on Twitter that are going to be all in. So uh, just keep that in the back of your mind as we yeah. uh, go through October, but. Jump right in uh, coming to Lynchburg is a huge difference from Conway, South Carolina. I don't need chat GPT to tell me that, but how has this transition been for you and your family uh, making that trip to the mountain?
3: We, uh, so my wife and I, we have, uh, we have two young kids. We have, I've got a two year old daughter, one year old son. So uh, I was in a little bit of a different, um, different situation than some of our other coaches who have kids that are in school and couldn't leave until after the spring semester. So thankfully for me, I didn't have a huge gap away from them. We were apart for right out a month. We're thankful that our, our our house in Myrtle Beach sold quickly. Found a place here in in, in Forest, uh, about fifteen minutes away from from the school. So we're we're very fortunate to make this quick transition. And as far as the area, I, I love it. I love Lynchburg. It reminds me I'm from the upstate of South Carolina. It's got it's very it's a very similar feel to for for me to for a uh, very similar feel to being at home. And uh, my wife is from five minutes down the road from, from where we grew up about 15 minutes apart so uh upstate of South Carolina is very very similar to to here um and so it's been a phenomenal uh transition I love working here you know my work experience is not all that different because it's a lot of the same guys that I work with at Coastal but just all the other um you know support staff and people that have that we've have been working alongside and and, and joined and started work with have been great additions and and learn and grown a lot, but it's, it's been phenomenal. I love this place, love the university and, and um, we're thankful to be a part of it.
1: Well, coach corn, first of all, thanks uh, so much for joining us on the podcast uh, tonight. Uh, uh, This this offense been humming here recently uh, to to start off the season. And uh, I think you're a large part to that. I I know you'll, uh, you know, point your your uh, hat to uh, to the rest of the coaching staff and and the players but uh co a coordinator and quarterbacks coach uh you have a lot to do with it but uh you uh, i want to go back to uh kind of your your uh start in coaching i guess you're really your college career you started off at clemson and uh, then transfer ended up at north greenville where uh, i guess that's where you met up with coach chadwell and and then you've pretty much uh followed coach chadwell uh all of his uh, head coaching stops and, and, you know, Charleston Southern Coastal and and now at Liberty, what is it about coach Chadwell that makes him uh, such a person that, that you would not only want to play for, but also uh, coach for and follow him uh, through uh, so much of your career so far?
3: Yeah, there's, there's been two people in my life that have, have uh, offered me jobs. It's uh, Jamie Chadwell and, and uh, Jersey Mike subs. So those are the two people that, that um, I, I've, I'm uh, and, and thankful for two, two, two institutions that I'm thankful for that have given me opportunities. But, um, no, I'm, I'm thankful that everywhere that Coach Chow has been he's given me the opportunity to, to continue to, to follow him. And um, when I went to uh, North Greenville, I went to North Greenville for my last uh, two seasons of eligibility after I got my degree at Clemson, and Coach Chow was the head coach there. And and I, I absolutely love playing for him um, because it was uh, – he never – he has such a graphic. He has many great qualities as a head coach, but I think um, one of his is really one of his best qualities as a head coach is he has just such a great feel for the locker room and the pulse of the team, and he knows when he needs to push the team, and he knows when he needs to be, be more demanding, and he also knows when he needs to pull back and and uh, and make sure that we never lose sight of enjoying the process, you know. And that's as a player and as a coach, you know. I've never I've never once came came to work. Uh, miserable or, or, or worried about, you know, what if we make this mistake? What if this goes wrong? What if we lose this game? He's just, uh, you know, he's typically the guy that's listening to Jimmy Buffett and walk around in flip-flops, you know, in the office. So, um, and I've learned a tremendous amount uh, uh, under him. You know, this, the offense that we run now, I uh, it's evolved and changed a ton since 2010 when I played for him, 2010 and 2011. But, the core principles of the offense are still the same as, as what we were doing at North Greenville. And we've added wrinkles and added elements to it um, each and every year. But um, when I first got to North Greenville, I, I didn't know anything about option football. In fact, the 18 year old version of me would, would, uh, would laugh if I told him that, you know, Hey, we you know, we're, we run a spread option offense, you know, I just didn't, didn't know it. So i I learned it as a player and, and, and learned it as a coach. And I feel like every year I, I learn more and more uh, uh, from him and, and, Obviously, you know uh, myself and Newland. Probably, you know when when things are going well offensively, we'll get you know credit and pat's on the back for when the offense is playing well and Coach Chow will too. But we have such a tremendous, complete group of guys that, as an offensive staff, that contribute to our game plans. Um, you know, very it, it, you know when people watch games on Saturday, whether it's Liberty or any other college football team, it's not just one guy that's coming up with plays and and calling them. You know, we've got. You know, Coda Leducco does an amazing job. I'm putting our third down game plan together. Bill Durkin does our short yardage. Tony Washington comes up with our shots and our easy throws all the way down to our our grad assistants, our analysts, even our student assistants are coming up with things. And I think that's one of the best things we do as a staff is everybody that's in that room as an offensive staff has a voice and has ownership. And it doesn't mean we're going to do every single idea that comes to the table, but people do such a great job of bringing ideas to the table and trying to evolve the offense and,
2: And then it's our job, myself and Coach Isaac's job, to make sure that we're pushing the envelope
3: and and trying to be innovative and put wrinkles in, but also not doing too much to where our guys can't just play fast and react. And I think when you watch us play, we're playing we're playing very well right now. Um, but now we're starting to hit this stretch run of conference games, midweek games coming up through October, and um, and we're going to face better and better. And there's going to be more and more pressure. So, um, but I think the biggest thing that when you watch us play. Um, I, there hasn't maybe there's been some drives that we haven't finished because there's been been some type of self inflicted, you know, either turnovers or penalties. But there's not a lot of there's no mental bus, you know. So I think the guys are picking things up and and understanding what their job is, and we'll continue to clean things up and and improve. But um uh, but it's a tremendous group of guys that are in that offensive staff from every single week trying to come with new ideas to try and score points and, and finish drives.
0: Excellent answer. I had no idea that Coach Roll was a parent head. Uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, definitely uh, shout out to him and all the fans out there. Now you mentioned the, the offense evolving and we've really seen in college football those classic triple option schools, Georgia Tech the service academies, shift away from that triple option and, and you mentioned that as well. Talk a little bit about you know how you've had to kind of change that coaching philosophy, the play calls moving uh, kind of not away from that, but kind of uh, adding different, like you mentioned
3: wrinkles to the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think every every stop that we've been at, um, we've been able to maybe do a little bit more just um, um, with maybe, you know, the the style of players that you're able to get, you're able to recruit and that fit within what you're doing. But just looking looking back on it, you know, uh, RPOs are a common thing in everybody's offense uh, now. But, you know, in 2010, 2011, there weren't very many teams doing it. So it wasn't a, a big part of our offense. And really during our times at Charleston Southern 2013 through 2016, it really wasn't a big part of it. You know, maybe we started doing a little bit towards the end, but really when we got to Coastal Carolina, what we wanted to be able to do was still keep our identity as being a a spread option football team. But uh, which which that's what we were. And we still had, you know, play action shots built into it all looking the same. But we didn't really incorporate as many easy throws and RPOs to try and get the quarterback the easy ones, you know, to get them into a rhythm when defenses are giving you soft coverage and you can take that six yard hitch, taking some pressure off the offensive line and building those in, but not building them in to where you have two or three separate game plans and two or three separate um, things you're trying to do, trying to all blend those in, you know, your RPOs, your play actions, you're moving the pocket, all of those blended in with the core run principles that you're already carrying. I think that's, that's what we we're able to achieve at Coastal Carolina. Um, and obviously we had tremendous players and um, tremendous support there during, during our time there that, that were able to execute it. You know, it's one thing for us to be able to come with ideas and draw on the board. It's, it's the cadence Salters going out there and execute and making the plays that, that, that make it happen. But I think that's where we took our, our really big step. Um, during our time at Coastal Carolina trying to incorporate more RPOs, more quick game, just easy throws to get the quarterback into a rhythm, allowing him to be um, very efficient from a completion percentage standpoint, get him into a rhythm with easy throws and not just ask him to We're, we're still going to take our shots. You've seen, you've seen that with, with us offensively. Um, that's going to be a big part of it, but I think it's hard when um, I think it's important to get your quarterback into a rhythm early on in the game to get him those easy throws, take advantage of that easy grasp that the defenses are given to you. And then, um, when teams do try to take those away and play press man coverage, now you've got option football principles built into it where some of these balls that get pitched and get on the edge, they turn into big explosive runs. So I think that's just been the biggest part of it, you know, uh, that at its core, you know, when we first installed the offense during fall camp every single year, the core principles are the same core principles from when Coach Chowell uh, first started doing it at North Greenville way back when. But what, what's what's changed is taking advantage of those easy throws, those RPOs, and, and I think it's a system that's that's fun to watch. I think it's a fun system to play in. It's a fun, it's a system that can beat you in, in multiple different ways. We threw for 300 yards against Buffalo. We only threw for 150, but we ran for 300 uh, this past weekend against FIU. So it's very multiple, and it's very um, you know game plan specific with, with who you're who you're going up against.
1: And you mentioned Caden Salter there, and and I think all Liberty fans, you know, saw flashes of what uh, the potential that he had last year uh, in some of those games, you know, most notably like Wake Forest and and uh, some others. But, uh, you know, since you came in December, January time period and, and kind of gotten to know him. And uh, you know, see, I mean, we see as fans, we see what he does on Saturday, uh, but we don't see the behind the closed doors. What's he, what he's doing, you know, Sunday through Friday. You know, uh, wh- what have you seen, and what what has you know maybe he done that's impressed you the most over these past what eight nine months that that you've gotten to know him?
3: Well, I think the the first thing that comes to mind with Caden is he he absolutely loves football. He is. He is filled with joy when he is playing uh, and, and even if he's not playing just being around the game being on the practice field he is filled with joy when he's out there he was one of the things we I love our quarterback room because they're so supportive of each other and uh, it was a tight quarterback battle between all those guys in those room but they've been just they've handled it so well and, and with such um, a maturity and being about the team and so it's been a, a, a just a, a unbelievable room to be a part of I'm very thankful for the attitudes that we have in that room but I can remember one time during fall camp. Um, I can't remember if it was J.B. or Trey, but somebody let us down on a touchdown drive um, during one of our scrimmages, and you know, Caden is is like you know jumping up and down and sprints down to celebrate with them. That 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 matters, you know, because I think your teammates see that and they notice that and they, they realize it's okay. He's not just a about himself, you know. And I I can say that for all the guys in our in our room. So I'm thankful for that. But you see that when he plays. Um, obviously it's easy to be joyful when you're when you're having success and playing well um but I think he he loves to compete he loves he loves the game of football that's that's evident when you watch him play and you watch him practice but I think the biggest change with him has been i think during spring practice um I think he was under the i, I think his mentality was you know i'm'm I'm, I have the talent I can do it I don't think he necessarily put enough time in to to prepare himself mentally and that's what we talked about after the spring you know you're, you're very talented, but your talent is not going to allow you to win the job because it's not just based off of your physical gifts. You have them, but that won't overcome not knowing where to go with the ball, who's your check down, and understand your protection checks, all those things, and and he completely changed himself. After spring ball, when we had that meeting, And I said, hey, this is what we need to see from you. He has been a totally different person. He has studied and studied and studied and studied and studied all summer, all fall camp, and it showed up during fall camp, and that's how he was able to – push those guys and end up evidently uh, ultimately winning the job because he cut down on those mental mistakes he cut down on the turnovers during fall camp and and you knew the talent was there but what he needed to understand was it wasn't his physical gifts that was going to win the job it was going to be the physical gifts combined with putting that time in and understanding what your job is and and also just earning the the right to lead your teammates during during summer workouts and during fall camp and and how hard you work because your teammates see that your teammates recognize recognize when you know what your job is. Your teammates recognize when you're putting unbelievable effort in the weight room and during conditioning. And and so I think he earned a lot of people's respect with how he he changed his mentality at the after spring ball, all through summer and fall camp, and um, and now he's able to enjoy some of the withdrawals. And and he's still and he'll tell you this. You know, he got player of the week last week for FIU. He was pissed off when we when he walked off the field. He was pissed at his performance because he knew that. I, I need to play better. I can, I can make some of those plays that I can't turn the football over. And um, it's great to learn some of those things in a win. And, um, but he's still, man, the ceiling's so high and I'm so excited just to continue to to grow with him and and, and to see him improve because man, they're, they're, he's still just scratching the surface. It's been, he's been, made some amazing plays, but he's going to continue to get better and better and better if people maintain that starving, hung, hungry to, to win the job, hungry to compete mindset that he's that he's had since the end of spring ball.
2: We'd love to
0: hear that because uh, I don't want to speak for John, but I'm pretty sure that he too uh, has been a Caden Salter fan since day one. Uh, I texted him Saturday night. and I said, big day for the Caden Salter truthers. Uh, so it was great to see that and great to hear how he's really uh, transitioned to becoming uh, not just a starting quarterback, but a leader on the team. So, Coach Corn, last question before we let you get back to work, and it has to do with that, and it's about Sam Houston. Uh, we have the game coming up next week. They have a strong defense. Talk a little bit about that game plan, a little bit of that, that, about that preparation, what you see on film when it comes to their defense.
3: Yeah, these these guys are going to present a challenge for us. Their they're two inside backers are probably the two best inside backers that we've faced up to this point. Their start-mic linebacker is all over the place. I think you guys played uh, – I think Liberty played Troy over the last few years, and he reminds you very much of of, of their middle linebacker Carlton Marshall, uh, number two at Troy. I think he set the NCAA career tackle. He's a very similar player to that. He's not that not going to blow you away with his with his height and size, but uh, his ability to react and have the awareness and the ability to run like these guys can run at the second level. So um, they're going to present a challenge there from that standpoint, and I think in the secondary. Um, this is this is going to be uh, one of the better secondaries we played as well. Um, I think their corners are are very sound. Uh, they're aggressive. They they will they will squat on some of your intermediate and quick game routes and and uh, that's that's led to some um, pass breakups for them and but them being aggressive and statistically they're they're very good in a lot of different categories. They're one of the top teams in the country in terms of uh, red zone defense. Um, so they're going to present some challenges for us and you know, you get some extra time to prepare for them with us, not playing this weekend and playing next Thursday. That can be a good and bad thing sometimes for a coach. Sometimes for a coach, it can be a good thing because you get more time. It can be a bad thing because you get more time and you come up with too many plays or come up with reasons why you shouldn't do that, you know? So I think our biggest focus has been um, hammering the things that we need to fix as an offense through our first four games. So as we're we're through our first four games, first third of the season – um, there's a lot of things statistically where we're, we're, we're doing very well. But the two main things that we talked about as a staff that we have to clean up and have to fix if we want to go from a pretender to a, a contender during the month of October is we have to eliminate our turnovers. We may we uh, have been fortunate. Some of those balls that have been out on fumbles, we either recovered or somehow they've been overturned and we haven't actually had a fumble on, on the stat sheet. But there's too many footballs on the ground for us. So there are, our players are already probably two days into this preparation for Sam Houston, sick of us going to ball security drills. We're hammering them on that. And, um, and really more so teaching that the reason that the football came out in this situation, almost because of XYZ showing them the things on tape and, and not just out there screaming banshees, but trying to um, uh, emphasize and show them this is the reason why the ball's coming out um, on some of those carries. So we have to clean up the turnovers. And then we've had some penalties that have really – you know, put us behind the sticks, and you know, if you look at it, the drives where we haven't scored, it's usually probably one of those first two things, which most most offensive coaches would probably say. But I think if if we can cut down on those two things, um, and we'll stay hungry and stay healthy, I, I'm really excited about the, the the direction that the offense is heading um, going into game one. There are some unknowns and some question marks in certain areas, and you're seeing guys really step up and and make plays, and and there's a lot of different people that are helping you do it, and so. Um, But it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to experience a Thursday night at Williams Stadium. Um, Our student section, our fans have just been unbelievable. It was so awesome being there for, uh, you know, get to to experience the New Mexico State game, the first night game, when all the lights go off at the end of the third quarter. It's just an unbelievable environment. And um, that was one of the things we were so excited about as a coaching staff coming up here, because that's all you heard about was the game day environment. You can't wait till you see game day, wait till you see game day. And it's it is. It has lived up and and exceeded the the expectations and the hype of of what we expect. So we're. I know we're gonna have a great crowd. It's gonna be awesome, and it's in a difficult place to a difficult place for opponents to come and play. So um, we're fired up for it.
1: I think the the uh, last uh, Thursday night game at Williams Stadium was uh, several years ago. Uh, when Liberty was still FCS and, and played Coastal Carolina. I don't, I don't know if you guys were there. I think you guys might have been at Charleston Southern at the time, but it was a great environment, a great crowd. I'm looking forward to, to seeing, especially that student section. I think it's going to be rocking for uh, the midweek on the mountain uh, throughout the month of October. Well, Coach Corn, appreciate you uh, coming on and joining us. Uh, we certainly love to have you on the entire, uh, the entire episode, but, but we'll let you get back to it in and, uh, and that preparation and can't wait to see uh, what you guys got uh, dialed up the rest of the season.
3: Sounds good, John. Richie, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank thank you guys for what you do for uh, Liberty Flames football. We appreciate it.
4: What's up, guys? It's Zach, and we are back with the Liberty Sports Recap, bi-week edition. Let's get right into it. Women's soccer beat Sam Houston State 6-0, um, for their first ever win in Conference USA play. They did fall to New Mexico State 2-0 for their first loss of the season. They are 11-1 on the year, 2-1 in Conference play, and will travel to FIU next Saturday. Men's soccer with a perfect week going 2-0, defeating Chicago State 7-1 in Houston Christian today, 3-1. Liberty Men's Soccer is 7-2 on the year and 2-0 in the Ohio Valley Conference. They'll face Chicago State again, this time in the Windy City. Net on Thursday, number nine field hockey defeated Longwood seven to one and Temple three to nothing. The Lady Flames are ten and one and three and zero in the Big East. This is the best start in program history for the Lady Flames. They will be back next Friday to host Villanova. Um, women's cross country finished fifth in the Sweet Briar Invitational, and the men finished fourth in the Paul Short Run. The women did not score in the Paul Short Run, but Jesse Zealand had an impressive 22-42 6K finish to finish 13th out of 299 teams. Both teams will compete in the Cross Country 23 Pre-Nationals on October 14th in Charlottesville at Panorama Farms. That is where the National Championship meet will be held this year. Volleyball lost to Middle Tennessee 3-0 and 3-1. They will face number 25 Western Kentucky up next on Tuesday and Wednesday. Women's swim finished fourth out of four teams at Florida State. They will face um, JMU coming up on October 13th in Harrisonburg. Obviously, no game for football this week as the Flames enjoyed a bye week. But next up, we have Midweek on the Mountain this Thursday as the Flames will host Sam Houston State. That game will be at 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. If you are able, please come out and support the Flames. If not, tune in on television, prime time. And as always, Go Flames!
0: like to welcome on our gambling guru this season CT what a great time it is to be a fan of Liberty athletics don't you think
5: absolutely no I mean everybody's doing amazing right now with this the stats that um just all the teams have um it, it's incredible love Zach going through them every single week so yeah Liberty athletics all-time high right now
0: yeah great to get those updates because I'm gonna be honest can't get into i'm uh, not able to follow cross country i wouldn't know where to start but it's great to, to get that information each week so shout out to him and shout out to everyone who uh watching live checking us out later on make sure you like subscribe on whatever platform you are uh taking this all in on it is much appreciated and we appreciate your support so quick run through of the leaderboard. Plus next to your name, how we feeling?
5: We're feeling good. I, I'm happy to be in the plus a year. You've been killing it the past few weeks. Um, John, he's faded off ever since he stopped appearing on this segment. Uh, maybe there's some correlation there, but I like I'm feeling very good just to be in the positive. It's a breath of fresh air, honestly.
0: It, it really is a grind. People think you just have to have uh, incredible weeks every single week, but if you're gonna make any sort of money. Uh, investing on the outcomes of sporting events. You just kind of got to grind it out. You got to ride the wave. Water always finds a level. Uh, if you would have told me last year uh, on October 1st that not only they would still let me do this podcast, but that I would be 31 and 20, uh, I'd be shocked. I'd say you were a crazy person. Yeah. But I'll take it. It was a great bye week. kick uh, it in and uh, see how we did last week. It was uh, nice to, again, as we mentioned before, just kind of watch. Uh, Liberty Athletics. Uh, We have our guest picker update. Our last guest picker was Stingray,
5: right? Yeah, it was Stingray. He went all money lines, so it worked out in terms of his record. He tied Sam with six and three, but because of that, um, he did still go down in units, uh, about a half a unit. So Sam is still the leader right now in the clubhouse.
0: We got it. It's going to come down to the tiebreaker if they are uh, our two that are six and three uh, going into it. So We got ourselves our guest picker this evening. He is a former Liberty basketball player. He had a double-double. At least one game, I was going back and looking at JVP stats. He is a participant in the NCAA tournament. I will never forget that run that that team went on. Uh, Just an absolute Cinderella story. And he was another one when we said, hey, let's do guest pickers. Right away, we went. JVP's the guy. So welcome on Joel Vanderpool, Liberty legend. How are we doing this evening?
6: I'd like to spend more time uh talking about the double double if we can. That'd be just to that'd be great if we could do that for a little bit. I'm,
0: be, I'm not gonna lie, I think I went through one season of the game log. There and was I went one. Through, I was like, I was a double like double bringing it up on the podcast. There was one who was it against?
6: Uh I don't remember. Doesn't matter. happened,
0: and that's all that matters. <laughs> but uh, how are we doing? You you got the uh you got the Taylor Swift game on?
6: Yeah, I'm looking at it a little bit on the side. Um, need Kelsey to do a little bit more, but um, we're we're in a good spot. Let me quickly, uh, Richie, compare Tron, the ride Tron to the uh the magical carpets of Aladdin ride. If you could just compare the two, it'd be great. Just like a 20-second real quick.
0: Well, I do everything in my power to not get on the Aladdin Magic Carpet ride. I had not seen uh Aladdin up until my wife made me watch it approximately uh Two to three months ago, I had never seen Tron. We'll never see Tron. Uh, however, the ride Tron, I thought I was going to die a couple times. I tweeted that I got right with the big guy in the sky uh, around that second turn. If you've ever seen it, absolutely terrifying ride. You're they got you strapped in like this. You're on a motorcycle. I was like, I'm gonna big bend myself at some point. It was never, I was never safe. I never felt yeah. safe. But at good. the end of it, I went, you know what? Kind of a fun ride.
6: Okay, uh, fair enough.
0: That's what, that's what we have now. We have a, a, a great Saturday, a great weekday slate of college football that we are going to get a chance uh, and take that ride. So first game, Sam Houston State, JVP, what do we think? A lot of us are on the same page.
6: Yeah. Um, I have enjoyed seeing Liberty put up points and the lines not wildly adjust. Um Recency bias. Sam Houston State did put up 28 on Jacksonville State, who's two and one. Uh, I'm sorry, four and one. And Liberty has shown, shown that, and I'll say Liberty. We have shown that we can put up points. We continue to hit the uh, the team total over, which has been been good for me too. So um, I'm going to take the over on that one. Uh, I just, I'll I'll take the the minus 17 as well. But in terms of my picks and how it relates to this show. Stick with the over.
0: I'm all in with you. Yeah, I thought that was uh, shockingly low. CT, you're only one that's yeah. uh, willing to jump in on the Liberty side here. Give us your thoughts.
5: So here's the deal there's been two times this season that I'm pretty sure all of us were on the over, um, at least probably three out of four of us, both New Mexico State and FIU. Both times there was basically no scoring in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. We all got burnt. Um, so at this point I was like, you know what, especially seeing all y'all on the over, I was like, let me take Liberty one that I feel better about that. And two, maybe that'll be a good favor for you guys as well. So that, that we're not all on the over, um, that being the case, I'm going to be taking Liberty team total over whatever that number is. Um, and and I can see it being something where it's like 40 to seven or something like that and, and still goes under. So, um, give me the flames minus 17. Thank you for those uh, good wishes CT, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Po- positive vibes here.
0: We're just <laughs> uplifting each other. We don't need any negativity. Uh, next, this is a weeknight game, uh, another weeknight game. Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee State. I went the under uh, alongside uh, CT and JVP. I have no stats to back this one up. This game, you just see the names of those teams. You see that this game was on a weekday night, and it, I'm like going to be 17 to 10 late in the fourth quarter. Uh, I know JVP hit me with some stats uh, this afternoon, so I'm going to kick it over to you, to, to you. What are your thoughts here?
6: Uh hate this game. Cannot get a read on it. I'm going midweek under because more often than not, that feels right, and 54 is not a crazy – number so i feel comfortable with that given how poor of a read i could get on the game ct i was pre your numbers guy i'm i appreciate you kind of co-signing that because i was hoping that you would say that
5: yeah i mean to be fair there's no numbers behind this from me either um considering the lines come out at 2 30 and we have a couple hours to make our picks um there was just nothing there but i mean If I am going to think from numbers, like 54, right over 54, 55 is typically like the most key number with totals. Um, That's like the most common occurrence in college. Um, And so so when you think about it like that, I would think this game is going to go under as opposed to over um, that key number. So yeah, that's my cosine. That's the best I got, but we're on it together. So
2: if you're
0: here for the analytics, clearly this is not segment for you, uh, judging by the last game. Uh,
6: I don't know, week one, Rich, I don't know, week one, CT came in hot with a number and a justification for every single one, and I said, I'm intimidated by, I'm already intimidated by being a, a guest picker up against CT, so the fact that I haven't really strayed too far, and in the first game, he really kind of threw under the bus, like, this is about as good as I could have expected. There's
0: nothing better than when you like a play. And someone else gives you the the validation of, yeah, you know what, I like that too. And you're like, you know what? double the bet. Like I'm uh, I'm all in on
5: it even more. And, and here's the other thing. No matter how many stats that I had, I still went like one in four, like the first four weeks of the season, every single one. So I throw all that out the window at this point. Like I'm doing whatever I can.
0: Elsa said the past is in the past. Clean slate across the board, New Mexico State. <laughs> Did they suspend –
5: I think he's playing. I think so. Now, I haven't seen anything of the contrary.
0: Did you hear about that? On the, the logo of New Mexico.
6: That was, that was the quarterback? Okay, so <laughs> one of my bullet points for this game may be in jeopardy then.
0: I think he's playing, though.
6: Okay, then we're fine.
0: There's no rules out in New Mexico. We know <laughs> that for certain. Um, so consensus game there. Uh, all time, one of my favorite rivalries. Uh, it's not called the. It's not called the. They don't call it the shootout anymore, right? It's the Red River the shootout part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Posh. Texas, Oklahoma. One of the first times in a while, both teams are ranked in the top fifteen. I have no stats to back that up. Again, this is just flying off the seat of the pants. Uh, JVP, what do we think about Texas yeah. minus six? A lot of us on the same page here. Yeah, this is
6: a buzzword. Uh, pick for me you're going to hear me say quality win and neutral site uh this pick is purely based on texas having a very very quality win uh and oklahoma frankly doesn't to this point uh and at a neutral site i would i think texas minus six is fair they can run it up if they maybe not run it up on on oklahoma but six felt very safe to me
5: yeah this is i know richie had the over this i feel like this is a series that typically goes over um but i'm with you i I think Oklahoma is still a little bit fraudulent. They they don't have that big win as you said. Um, and I've been very high in Texas this whole year. I think it continues. Maybe they slip up later on in the season, but in this game in particular, um, I think they take care of business. It could be close for a while, but I think they pull it out. Um, looking here through the last like four or five games, is there any that stand out to you? Maybe one or two of your favorites.
6: Yeah. Um... Virginia Tech, Florida State. Florida State could put up 50 on their own, and Virginia Tech lowest season team total is 16. So I felt that was a pretty safe one. Uh, and then I really like Notre Dame a lot. Um, so I'm going to ride them for a little while. And then uh, Fresno State, Wyoming, I actually do like Fresno State quite a bit. I just went contrarian because I didn't want to have the graphic be spread across the, the same thing across the board. <laughs> so as much as I gave you grief earlier, I'm going to do the exact same thing and take the over.
5: Hey, again, thank you. That's that's good vibes all around. It's never good when everybody's on the same one. Let me ask you this then. I know you said Virginia Tech, Florida State. Um, you took the over. I'm on Florida State. So um, Virginia Tech, again, I know you said they've scored 16 in every game this season, but I haven't played a Florida State yet. So do you think Virginia Tech can actually put a, I know you took the over. So, of course – They, might not, have no, they, they but, might not have to. They might not have to.
6: I, I honestly think I think that you forest could hang 45 on somebody and then a just a, a backyard cover a backdoor yeah. cover from Virginia State. like I think it'd be that that simple
5: totally yeah so hopefully we both hit there um all around Richie welcome back glad to have you back um am back a favori- yeah do you have a couple of favorites as well
0: um just want to make sure audio sounds good I was having some issues Fantastic. back now
5: yeah this perfect. is what
0: I like to hear. Uh, Real quick, I do just want to quickly bring up Oklahoma, Texas. That's an automatic over every single year. Have to bet it over Oklahoma, Texas, automatic. Uh, I think Syracuse, the Cinderella, the pumpkin, it's all over. They're like that classic team. They'll win all their games in September, and then it just all falls apart. I think UNC is actually pretty good. That defense is a lot better than everyone expected it to be, and I think they win this game by 14 points. Was that the game we were on?
5: Yeah, we're just talking over favorites, honestly. So that's great.
6: Uh, yeah, that,
0: that's my favorite for the week. We'll go with so that. Yep. One.
6: Syracuse, UNC. That's essentially just a uh, a spite pick. Syracuse isn't going to get me two weeks in a row, so that's the that's the only reason I went
5: UNC there. Yep. Yeah, I was on I was on Syracuse as well, and uh, I was not happy with that. I shouldn't have faded Clemson coming off that last week, but at the same time, I was like, their season's over are they going to show up for that game? But, well,
6: the colors were difficult in that game too, right? The, I think uh, they were wearing true. the wrong jersey. It, the whole thing threw me off, but uh, I was not happy with that, with that game at all.
5: Yeah. One game that I'm opposite of you, not opposite, but on a different side than you guys, I'm on UCF. Um, I know you guys are under and over there, so maybe talk about that. But um, Kansas' quarterback got hurt in the Texas game. I don't know if he's going to play or not. So ultimately, <laughs> that play for me was just – Hopefully I get a better better number by the end of the week than than what this is um, because Kansas quarterback isn't in and maybe UCF would be like a favorite even. So um, that game could be all over the place. UCF fell off the map in the second half against Baylor.
6: I've learned the, when the line is higher than you're comfortable with take the over, or if the line is lower than you're comfortable with, take the under. So that's why I read off that one. And I don't think either has a good win in my opinion, uh, neither UCF or Kansas. So to me, it could just be a really bad game shootout that ends up going over, so that's why I went with it.
0: Kansas hurt me last week, so I totally get it. The kid got hurt, who I think is going to play on Sundays, I think he's really good. So They haven't been the same
6: since Turner Gill left.
0: But all right, uh, great week. Did, did we get your uh, mortal lock of the week, JVP?
6: Another day, minus six.
0: Love it across the board, which could only mean one thing: Louisville
6: is there. not right. Yeah,
0: that's right. Louisville will be the one to take. But shout out,
1: to L-
6: L-
0: for his Louisville
6: being twenty fifth in the country. They've done nothing to get it other than just survive. I don't. I'm not buying Louisville yet.
5: I think they were very hyped going into the season, and then because they have just survived week after week they're getting rewarded for it but honestly i'd probably say i know they have two losses i know they're not impressive compared to what they've been but i'd probably consider clemson's better than them so head to head out yeah all day yeah yeah
0: i'm with it so another great week again uh thank you for 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 joining us jvp uh Always a pleasure. We'll definitely get you on for basketball season. We'll pencil that in.
6: Yeah, uh, minimum 25 picks a week for basketball, though.
0: You you and Kirby are going to get along. <laughs>
6: That's, <this> fine. <laughs> That's fine.
0: <laughs> he sends us, like, 35 picks. I don't even know who two teams are. I had
6: the, I had the Reds uh, to win the division back in, like, June or earlier than that, maybe May, and uh, that was a, a Kirby and – uh anyway it's gone now but we we were it felt it felt right for a little while
0: i was i was big time rooting for the cubs uh there was some definitely some liberty fans out uh on the bird pulling for for the reds i say cubs pulling for the reds uh so but again like liberty they're setting the tone next year is going to be the big year uh to make noise on that national level but again thank you so much for for joining us this evening we're going to be tracking your picks Seeing how you do throughout all that. CT, you're moving in the right direction. I believed. I bought stock when it was at an all-time low. So, thank you again. Good luck this week. We'll be in touch on Saturday, I'm sure.
4: 100%. best and most flames friendly coffee comes from Ironclad Coffee Roasters. Ironclad Roasters serves up their beautiful beans at two cafes in Richmond where you can enjoy their craft roasted specialty beans anywhere in the country by visiting www.ironcladcoffee.com Place your order there and it will be directly shipped to your doorstep. Whenever you find yourself in the capital of the commonwealth pay them a visit at one of the two cafes in the Richmond area. Ironclad's owners, the O'Rourke family, are proud Flames clothing and seasoned ticket holders. And now they're pleased to sponsor the podcast from the CRA. Hop over to www.ironcladcoffee.com now to get your Virginia's Best Specialty Coffee headed your way.
0: Shout out Ironclad Coffee. John, unmute your bike for another great week sponsoring our podcast. Give them some love. They have a great website. You can get all your coffee needs. And from one former Liberty athlete to another, we are joined by the man who is a lot smarter than John and I. When it comes to a lot of things, but especially the coaching and the X's and the O's and all that, uh, as you could see on the screen, if you're watching live, we are joined by Kyle D'Armond. Kyle, how we how we live in this uh, Sunday night? How do you think
7: about it? Sunday night, what's up, guys? It's been uh, it's been a few weeks. It's good to be back. Um, good to see you guys. Yeah, Sunday's good. Watching uh, Taylor Swift more than I'm watching the Chiefs and uh, Jets. Seems like she's on there more than uh, anybody anybody else. But great Sunday night. Nice to see JVP uh, as the guest picker.
1: Good to see him. Yeah, we're looking forward to have you on there in that segment uh, next time, Kyle. Oh, I don't know if you want my picks. Cold, <laughs> real cold. So, uh, Kyle, take us back to that that game. I mean, we're we're a little bit over a week now from uh, Liberty at FIU, but uh, I know you were watching it and we're uh, following the Flames closely. What were your main takeaways from uh, Liberty's big win down there in Miami?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think that Liberty is such a tricky team. I mean, like every week, you know, they like go to Buffalo or three and a half point favorites, and you really don't know what to expect. And then go to FIU, what was it, ten and a half? Still, really don't know what to expect because, you know, it's still at the point in the year where you're like, are the teams we're playing not any good, or is Liberty really good? Like, are we are we really good this year? And I think. When you rush the ball for over 300 yards, like we did against FIU, um, and you you just control the game from the start, I think that it just shows like Liberty's really good. There, we are a really good team this year, and we can play against anybody that that you know that is on our schedule, and that's all that we can do. You know, for it's so it's funny because for so many years, uh, you know we're. You, you get that when we were in the big South, it was the same thing of, well, Liberty doesn't play anybody. They play in the big South. And then we move up to FBS and we beat Baylor. And then we started to play, you know, we beat Virginia tech, we beat Syracuse. And there's just still this, like disrespect thing that comes with Liberty, that people are just like, Oh, they're not that good. They caught them on a bad day or, oh, you know, it was COVID year. So there wasn't really any fans at Virginia tech. That was the only reason they beat them or, Oh you had Malik Willis. I mean, there's always excuses that come with this football team and that have come from, you know, from the very beginning, it feels like, you know, Um, but I think what Liberty showed is that we are a really good football team. What's very, very good to see is that we're winning games by running the football, but when we have to throw the ball, we can, it isn't like a, we run the ball, we run the ball and then up, We got to make a pass and then you got to cross your fingers and hope that a quarterback can find a receiver and make a completion. I think that you know, Quentin Cooley and Billy Lucas are very good. Like Billy Lucas is he is a dude. I mean, he is so fast. He has great feet. He was very impressive. That was probably my biggest takeaway from FIU is how good he is. So our backs, our backfield's loaded. You know, we got Bentley and Austin Henderson at tight end and then treyon simply he he has stepped up cj daniels has started to get back you know getting back from injury takes a little while no frith has been consistent you know bedgood is is a, a dynamic player that can take you know sweeps and um you know quick passes and take it to the house and special teams has been playing well so you know like I think that it's just it's a good thing to see that we just continue to progress and we continue to get better and and we're putting teams away faster and we're holding on to 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 big leads and that was that was good to see. I think that was a that was one of the biggest things that I saw was like man, we're up big, just put them away. Like don't let them come back like other teams have, you know, scored late. Just like put them away. So all good things, all positive things moving into Thursday night Thursday night's game.
0: Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that, that offensive of coordinator Corn mentioned was about uh, Caden Salter and his growth and his development. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, you had the chance to coach him, correct? His first year, he was yeah. here. Uh, talk a little bit about that. He even mentioned how he came off and said, "Hey, I didn't even play my best game today. Still got conference player of the week." But uh, give us a little bit insight about that. What you're seeing, uh, you know, as as a fan, you know, going from coaching him to to now as a fan.
7: Yeah. I mean, he just has matured. You know, I think that's, uh, it's just for with any young kid coming from high school, you know, I come from a big program in Texas, like he's the man there, he's doing whatever he wants to do, like big time recruit goes to the SEC, like has a little setback comes to Liberty um, and has really just matured. I think uh, from the time that he stepped foot on campus to now. And I think that's what Liberty does. Um to people is it helps you grow. And I think that's what makes the university so special is that um, it not only has the ability to uh, help you as a, um, you know, football player, but also as a man, I think what he's done is he's really matured as a man and it's helped him in football. You know, it's been really cool. Um, football wise, I, man, this, I have a case story that, talks about his ability. Like we were, so Fridays back in the day, we would have Friday walkthroughs and the scout team guys would come to give the looks for Friday walkthroughs. And so they weren't, they were in some meetings and then they would bounce out and go into the, the indoor facility and throw the football around. So we roll out there. um, This is his freshman year. And what everybody would do before we blew the whistle to get in the stretch lines is everyone would be throwing the ball, trying to hit the crossbar. So, if you know the crossbar is, you know, it's 10 yards, obviously, behind the um, goal line. And so, everybody's throwing it from, like, the 30, the 20. This guy goes to the minus 30. This is a true story. You can ask anybody. Brendan Chalitler was there. You can ask anybody on the previous staff. He he throws this ball from the minus thirty and hits the crossbar from the minus thirty. That's eighty yards in the air. It was the without like warming up. This is just like rolling out there and just like throwing the football with your buddies. He throws the ball from the minus thirty and hits the crossbar. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen because I've never seen a ball fly in the air for eighty yards. But that's the type of arm strength that he has. And so you know that's the scary thing for defenses is like. We saw the play against Buffalo when he threw it to – who was it? To C.J. Daniels. He just threw it over the entire defense's head. Those guys probably just let up because they're like, there's no way this guy can throw it from the minus 20 to the plus 20. Like, he can't throw it this far, and he did. And so we go back talking about offenses and running the football, and then you have a quarterback that has a cannon like that that can, you know, make plays with his feet uh, and throw it over top of their heads. Like, you know, sky's the limit for K. Salt. Sky's the limit for this offense.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I know down there at Miami uh, at, at the FIU game, right after the game, we're outside the team locker room, which is where they had the, you know, makeshift uh, post-game press conference set up for for the team. And I'm sitting there waiting for Coach Chadwell to come out, and, and Coach uh, Willie Corn walks around the corner, and, you know, he's heading to the bus, and, and you know, I kind of go over and say, hey, good game, Coach, and that sort of thing. And, and we got to talking about Coach uh, – or talking about Caden – And the first thing he said about Caden was, we're just scratching the surface with him. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, this is a guy who's, you know, even at Liberty, 4-0 Liberty, who's not even receiving votes in the top 25 polls and hasn't even played a Power 5 opponent or or made any national headlines. He's already kind of, you know, getting some love, you know, deep, deep love for as far as, you know, far away from, uh, you know, a true contender. But for the Heisman you know, and getting some national attention for some of his play. And and here's his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach saying we're just scratching the surface with them. Uh, it, it's amazing to hear that. And uh, it just makes, you know, I, I'm so excited to see what the future holds for him and for this uh, Liberty offense. Uh, and, you know, hearing that story that you just uh uh, shared Kyle it just adds to that I can't wait to see uh, what he does this coming week but anyways let's move ahead let's start looking at uh at Sam Houston and this is a team that's winless Owen uh four uh they they played a tough schedule though I mean they they uh lost to BYU um Air Force one of the top G5 teams in the in the country this year um and and also Houston and then I don't know if you guys were watching uh, Thursday night this past week, but uh, they really should have beaten Jacksonville State, who I think Jacksonville State is one of the top three teams in the league, as I said earlier. But uh, they, they were leading throughout and really should have won that game. Their defense seems to be legit. I'm not sure about their offense. I mean, you see those numbers averaging 9.5 points per game. Again, I think that's skewed. They, they had, I think one offensive touchdown going into to week four against uh, Jacksonville state. And then they uh, scored 28. So I think those numbers are skewed slightly after being shut out against BYU and scoring three uh, against air force early on. But, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, have you gotten a chance to look at Sam Houston? This is a team and a program that, you know, it's their first year in the FBS, but they've won a lot of games. I mean, they, I think that they had won 21 straight games, regular season games uh, prior to a loss back in, what was it, 2021 in the, like, national semifinals of the uh, FCS, won a national championship there. K.C. Keeler has got two national tri- titles under his belt from the FCS level. Uh, what, what are your, your early thoughts, early reads on uh, the Bearcats?
7: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, schedule-wise, they played they played a probably the toughest schedule out of any conference USA teams leading up to this point, just with how many uh, you know solid G five teams um, that they that they've played. I think that you know, for a team moving up into the FBS ranks, they're looking for that signature win, uh, their first big win under their belt that they can hang their hat on to say, hey, this is what we can do, and this is who we are, um, you know, and. I think that I don't think that it'll be this week, but I think that it very possibly, you know, we, we don't want to mess around and find out in the fourth quarter how, how tough they are and how bad they want that victory. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a group that's probably at 0 and 4 is right on that edge. They're teetering right on that edge of like, what are we going to be? You know, what are we going to, who are we going to be as a team? And so you have to come out firing on all cylinders when you play any conference opponent. I think conference play is so much different because there's something to uh you know that conference championship at the end of the year is something that everybody wants to to go get. So for Sam Houston State, they're they're really 0-1. You know, like they're 0-1 in conference, and that's all that they're worried about because that's all that matters. And they like you said, they should have beat Jacksonville State last last week. And um, so that's so right now in their mind it's like, hey, we don't control our own destiny because we didn't beat Jacksonville State, but we have an opportunity to go in and knock off one of the preseason, you know, top teams. And, you know, I think that they have, they have really good players. They have players that can fly around on offense and defense. And so it's a day, a, a game that we definitely have to come out. And, and like coach Korn said, protect the football um, and just continue to do what we do and continue to get better. And we should be able to take care of them. Um, but you never know conference conference plays always, is always interesting i mean it happens every single year in all conferences somebody you know sneaks one past uh, somebody they they might they might shouldn't um you know we saw it last week auburn georgia like nobody would have thought that game would have come down to seven points and came down to the end but it did so we don't want to be we don't want to be on the other side of that this week and so i think that we have to come out you know just really focused on doing our job coming off a bye week being refreshed but also coming off a bye week of having playing you kind of get into a rhythm and get into a groove. And so hopefully our guys are focused this week. And not to mention the Thursday night game. It's a completely different schedule than what you're used to. Your days are all jacked up. Uh, so that will be interesting for sure.
0: Totally agree, uh, Kyle. It's going to be different for, for everyone, teams, coaches, adjusting to that Thursday. But talk about that bye week. What does that look like for a team coming off of a, kind of a, a, an extended break you're 4-0. Do you want to keep the vibes going? Do you want to keep – hey, we want to keep playing. Or All right, let's reset. Let's evaluate where where we're at and keep going. Uh, what are your thoughts on that whole bye week situation coming off of that?
7: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've been on it on both sides where – I mean, I think one year at Liberty, we didn't get a bye to like week 10 or something like two years ago. John, you, you probably remember better than I do. I mean, it was like – it was brutal because we were just – we were just, you know – barely getting to the bye with bodies and trying to get guys through it because it's really a time for your body to rest and to get guys healed up. You know, a a shoulder injury, an AC sprain, you know, a knee tweak, an ankle injury, you know, when you have that bye week to rest it, it really, really helps. So I think that we've hit it at the perfect time. You know, after week four, uh, we have one conference game under our belt, give the guys a little break and then move into that conference play. Um, And what's nice about it, you know, is that we we have that – a little, you know, that extended by, but it also gives you the ability to, like I mentioned before, get on that midweek schedule. I mean, that's going to be very different for our players, um, you know, because normally you're used to playing on Saturday and then you watch the film or have a walkthrough either Sunday or Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday are tough work days. Thursday is light, Friday's a walkthrough, Saturday you play your game. Everybody in the nation has that type of schedule. And so when you flip it to a Thursday game, You know, now everything is a little bit is a little bit different because your you know, your Tuesday is your day is your third is your Thursday, you know, so on and so forth. Your Sunday is a hard work day, but now you don't have class when normally you do. So, you know, it's just a it's a strange it's a strange thing that I think if if you don't prepare wisely, because you got to think with college kids, they're all schedule based. So everything is like in blocks of time in college football. And when you throw a wrinkle in there, that's a midweek game. What they normally would do for a Tuesday practice, which wake up in the morning, go eat breakfast, go to class, go watch a little bit of film, go to practice, go watch film more, is now thrown off because now they have a full Sunday. So do they wake up and eat breakfast and then go to the they go to watch film like their routine is just off a little bit. And so, you know. I think that's going to be a big test to see how they come out after this bye week and then how we continue to adjust moving from these Thursday to Tuesday and kind of midweek games throughout the month of October.
1: Yeah, and coach Chowell kind of talked about that too, especially as after this uh Sam Houston game, you got that 5-day turnaround to play Tuesday on the road at Jacksonville State, a really good Jacksonville State team and uh That's you know, a tough Houston, place
7: to play. That's a really tough place to play. I mean, their their fans are really are really good. Um it's loud. We don't want to jump ahead here. I know we'll we'll hit that, you know, on a quick turn next week, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough battle. And especially not to try to, like, move your mind forward. You're playing an 0-4 team on Thursday. You kind of want to be, like, in my head, can we just get through this game because we know we're going to beat them and we're going to have a big game on Tuesday. So, like, keeping the guys focused, it's it's tough. I mean, those coaches get paid to coach on Saturdays and to, like, win football games. But you're also, like, getting coached to play these mental games with your players to try to get them to, like, understand the schedules and what their expectations are.
1: Yeah, and you know it, it's kind of funny. Maybe, maybe take us through a mindset of what a coach is trying to tell at a team because this this could be you know a prototypical uh, trap game, if you will. I mean, Liberty's a seventeen point favorite playing a Sam Houston team that that really has nothing to lose. I mean, they're zero four. Nobody's expecting them to win. Nobody's expecting them to to do anything. They get to zero and 5 0 and two in the conference race. They probably might might be easy for them to pack it in, and Coach Keeler kind of loses them. And then Liberty, I mean, even as a fan, as somebody who follows this team so closely, all I can think about is that quick turnaround afterwards, going on the road against a really good Jacksonville State team. How does how does the coaching staff try to keep the team locked in and focused? Because this is a team, Sam Houston's got some talent, and and they can come in here and, and make things close. And then, you know, the fourth quarter, and again, they have no pressure, all the pressures on the home team. And we haven't seen... This Liberty team, we haven't seen Caden Salter this year in one of those pressure-packed environments. I mean, what's going to happen when uh, Liberty's got the ball, they give, give it to Caden with four minutes left in the game, and you need to score to go down there and win, especially if you're a big favorite. And hopefully we don't see that Thursday night, but we could. Uh, how, how does the coaching staff, what do they do this week to, to try to warn against looking ahead and looking past this opponent?
7: Yeah, hopefully hopefully you don't have to. I mean, hopefully uh the players are mature enough not not to. I mean, you're not you're not talking about it at all. You don't even bring up like, "Hey, don't look ahead." You know, I mean, you don't you don't even you don't even throw that into the air to let them be like, "Oh, if they're telling us not to look ahead, what are we, you know, should we should we be worried about something?" You know, so so you don't you don't mention that. I think it's just like it's day by day. It's a, it's you're continuing the same things that you do on a daily basis. And you show them how good Sam Houston State is. And you know, they're a, everybody in college football has the opportunity, you know, they all have the same amount of scholarships, they have the same amount of scholarships as, as we do. They have transfers, they have good players, and anybody can get caught if they're not playing, if they're not playing their best football. And so I think that you just continue to push. Uh, us And I think what Coach Chadwell and, and, and those guys do is it's all about liberty. It's we're not worried about anybody else. We're only worried about ourselves and how we can continue to get better. And that's the cool thing is that we haven't hit our stride yet of playing our most complete game. And so there's things that you can continue to improve on a weekend and weekend basis. So uh, I think that as long as they just continue to try to get better than and we worry about ourselves, then we should continue to see the results that we're seeing on the field. Continue to see Caden play better. Continue to see the the offensive line just churn out those those rushing yards. Those two running backs, big plays over the top. Then continue to see the defense just quietly dominate. I mean, I say quietly. They're leading the country and the nation in, in interceptions and takeaways. But like, there's not any like player on the defense that you're like, we have the best player in the nation. You talk about Liberty defense, it's like 11 players at all times that are playing at a high level, and that's a really cool thing to see too. I think
0: the consensus is that this has been one of the most complete Liberty teams. I know I mentioned it two weeks ago, but when you look at the fact that they're shutting teams down on defense, the the offense is able to do it in the air, on the ground. Caden is an absolute specimen. You know, When you mentioned your story, I've said – but I think Caden has the most raw talent in any Liberty quarterback we've ever had. It's not a shot at Malik. That's just his ability, his speed, his arm is just different.
1: And, you know, and one thing about Caden that we, I think we forget about a lot, maybe because he transferred from Tennessee, he was a top-10 national recruit at, at, the, at the position, at yeah, quarterback you're, you're position. You're
7: starting to see why. I mean, you're yeah. seeing it. It wasn't like he's some – some slap that we found in backwoods of nowhere and you're just like maybe he can be good let's try to develop him I mean like he had the talent coming out of high school John exactly right and and that is you know that's why those guys are ranked that high coming out of high school and that's why it's really tough for Liberty to get that like those players right away luckily we're able to get him you know and like you know the previous staff was able to say hey you know, let's have some conversations with his family. Let's see what's going on. All right, this is a good kid. Like, he made a mistake. This is a really good kid. He's a solid individual. He's a good person. He's going to fit in at good at Liberty, and let's go get him and develop him. And he fits perfectly with Jamie Chadwell's offense. Like, it could not have worked out better for Caden Salter that Jamie Chadwell and Willie Korn and boys rolled into town, and here this kid is, like, He can run, he can throw, he can do everything uh, uh, that, you know, the guys at Coastal did, he can just do it better. And so they have an opportunity to continue to develop him. And, you know, we talked about, you talked about Heisman, you threw some of that stuff out, or we even talked about like being ranked. What we're starting to see and what we have seen in the years with group of five is that you have to do it not only one year, you have to do it in year two. I think for Liberty and for Liberty fans, it's like, don't freak out if Liberty is not ranked or if Liberty like barely creeps the top 25, we're not going to have any power five wins, but we have to show consistency year in and year out. And this is a great first year for Chadwell and his team for Caden Salter as the starting quarterback to just continue to, to win and win and win and win and see what happens, you know, in the next couple months and see what happens moving in, into next year with that college football playoff moves to 12 teams. But Let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Let's beat Sam Houston State. Let's all let's all just worry about that. We can talk about all those other things uh, at the end of the year podcast when we talk about our bowl game. Yes,
0: one week at a time. Now, Kyle, before we let you leave, we do want to give a quick update on our drive uh, for seventy-one. Kyle, give us the elevator pitch. If, if you are tuning in and you are not sure about NIL, you may have heard about it. Heard about the negative stuff. Talk um, briefly about the value of NIL and what it is going to do to help not just Liberty football, but Liberty athletics as a whole.
7: Yeah. I mean, NIL is going to drive the success of college football athletics. It just is. It It is where we are at currently in the state of college athletics. And I think the benefit that we have at Liberty is we have something built that Chad and John have done such a good job of building something that's sustainable. And so, this is something that is easy and is, it is sustainable that is not only going to help football, but it's going to help out all of our athletics. Um, we've seen the benefit that it's already had in the offseason of football, being able to retain some players and being able to go out and help some players get to Liberty. It's been huge. And so, what we need to continue to do is just build on that momentum and this drive for 71. You know, it's 71 monthly subscribers that support Liberty um, student athletes through the NIL fund. It's an easy way for people to get involved to say that, hey, I support Liberty through NIL fund and whatever whatever financial um, level that is for you, that makes sense for you and your family. But just a great opportunity outside of a outside of Flames Club that you can get involved in um, to really make an impact for our players, because trust me. I was there as a college athlete prior to NIL, so was JVP. It sucks. I mean, there's not many things. We didn't even have training table. Basketball, those guys were eating out every meal because that was part of their scholarship. We got to go to the ROT, and we were starving. And so it's probably why we lost a couple games in the Big South Conference. That's either neither here or there. But anyway, help out NIL. Support your athletic team. Support the guys. You know, Give them a little something extra on the side. Um, and yeah, let's get to 71.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate you uh, giving that shout out. We're, we're, help us get to halfway. We're, we're at about 29 of the 71. Help us get to halfway. Push us to, uh, over 35 two thirty five, and over 35, uh, this week. And, and you can join as low as $10 a month. Uh, and, and that goes straight to uh, Liberty athletes, but thanks so much, Kyle, for joining us. Uh, Richie, any, any parting shots as we wrap this podcast up?
0: No, as always, it's so great to come on and uh, chat about Liberty Athletics and Liberty Football. I'm sorry that I had some technical difficulties uh, during our Liberty line. I think I had some issues with my mic and my AirPods. We'll
1: blame it on the Mickey Mouse, right?
0: We're we're, going to blame it on the ears. If you noticed uh, during that segment, uh, I I closed my window because I realized that I had the Chiefs game on. I was, I was trying realized, to watch
1: The Reflection in the Window.
0: And I'm like the last thing I want is for this whole thing to get flagged because I'm I'm streaming NFL content. Goodell's going to just come beating down my door. I've, I've threatened him on Twitter before, so I would not be shocked if I'm on a list somewhere in the NFL offices in New York, and this is, you, this is you what they what Richie,
1: need. You've kind of made me a little bit of a Raiders fan. I was watching uh, the Red Zone here this afternoon, and I was—I don't want to get on tangent because I know things aren't going well in in uh, in Las Vegas. But I was pulling for the Raiders there this afternoon, and that was only because of Richie Longshots, a big Raiders fan, and they were doing it with a rookie quarterback. I thought they were going to come down and, and get that game tying and touchdown, and. Unfortunately, through the interception, we don't need to get in there, but you have made me a closet Raiders fan.
0: I, I appreciate that. It was a tough game. I have very little expectations. However, it is all fine and good because at the end of the day, Liberty is 4-0. So as long as one of my favorite football teams can be competitive, and I think we got something uh, going pretty good right now on the mountain uh, in Lynchburg. So, John, any parting parting thoughts?
1: go flames let's get this win get to five and zero and three and zero in conference play
0: thursday night everyone go into the game have fun if you're on the fence thinking about going do it go to that game pack that stadium out it is going to be all over television and it's going to be all over social media so let's show the nation what flames nation is able to do so as always i'm richie Longshots, joined by john manson stay hydrated stay blessed and we'll see you next sunday night next sunday night
7: next sunday night
0: Thank you.